we have so many animals that people are like, oh my gosh, I've never seen one in real life. Hello, I'm John Rossi. I'm a touring drummer with a passion for animal conservation. When I'm on the road, I spend as much time as possible visiting zoos, aquariums, and conservation organizations. Now, I want to share those places with you. I'll be talking to keepers, vets, conservationists, anyone who can help me in my mission of connecting my people to animals through their people. Join me on my raw safari. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the podcast that is officially starting its third season, the Raw Safari Podcast. Y'all, I am so excited to be here at the start of the third season. I can't believe this podcast is two years old already. That's that's astonishing to me, and uh, probably to most of you who uh, have been here since the beginning, it's it's pretty darn shocking as well. But uh, yeah, I guess that's how it works. Time passes that way, and uh, there you have it. So I'm just kind of entertained by all of that, but I'm glad that y'all are here. I'm glad that the pod continues to grow, and I'm glad that I get to share you know, some of the amazing stories about the people who work with animals. And uh, today is no exception. We've got a really good one coming up. But first, a couple of reminders for you. Make sure that you are following along on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, at Raw Safari, on TikTok, at Raw Safari Pod. And, um, you know, hit subscribe, leave reviews, all the all the things. Go do just all the things. And uh, I'd appreciate it. And again, just thanks for being here. Now, I wanted to start season three with a bang. And uh, so I've decided that we're going to skip around a little bit. You know, something that uh, a couple of people have mentioned to me is that if I do too many episodes from one area, it starts to just kind of feel like they're all in the same place, even if they're not. And um, so I'm going to I'm going to bounce around a little bit. So we still have some California episodes to do. Uh, But today I am taking you to Phoenix, Arizona, to Wildlife World Zoo where I had an absolutely fantastic visit with Christy Hayden, who uh, at the time was the head of PR at the zoo, but has since become the president of the zoo. So that's pretty exciting. And I think when you hear her, you're going to understand why I'm so excited about that. She's just a really cool, passionate person. Uh, One thing I'm really excited about with this episode is this is one of those episodes, and you who listen know that they exist, where I just instantly really connected with my interview subject. Uh, Christy and I hung out for a bit in her office before we started recording, and um, we were just instant fast friends. And you're going to hear that throughout the podcast. This sounds like when I'm talking to Colleen or Danny, and we just know each other really well. There are jokes, there's picking on each other, there's all kinds of fun. Um, So yeah, it's one of those, and I always think they're a lot of fun. And you'll get to hear some perspectives that I haven't had on the podcast very much yet. The thing I think I'm most excited about sharing is we talk about what it's like to go on TV and share animals from the zoo with a viewing public. And that's something that we we see a good bit of uh, in this world, but I've never really gotten to talk to somebody about it before. And and Christy goes into a lot of detail. It's It's pretty darn fun to listen to. And so maybe I'll shut up and let you listen to it. Without further ado, here is my interview with Christy Hayden of 
Wildlife World Zoo, Aquarium, and Safari Park. All right, so uh, why don't we start off by you telling me who you are, where we are, and what you do here. Okay, so my name is Christy Morcom. I actually my name is Christy Hayden. I was just married. <laughs> I was just I literally I just glanced down at my my like recording thing and I was like, Shh, did I put the wrong name? Sorry, How did I screw this up. I'm going back and forth. Everyone here at Wildlife World is like, you need to make up what your last name is <laughs> and stick with it. Like even during press releases, I will write the same name or a different name. So. I'm sorry. Let me start over. My name is Christy Hayden, and I'm Director of Media Relations here at Wildlife World Zoo, Aquarium, and Safari Park. Awesome. Well, first of all, let me say uh, congratulations on getting married. Thank you. That's exciting. Yeah, it is. It's very exciting. Very cool. Um, And uh, yeah, so, okay, enough about that crappy human stuff, though. Let's talk animals. (laughs) Um, I'm really curious. uh, You know, I talk to a lot of people that do PR stuff at at zoos and aquariums and everything, and they often don't come from an animal background. Do you? Okay, that's a great question. So... Nothing official. I've just always had a passion for animals. And actually, you know, right now we're at Wildlife World. I've been coming here since before I was one years old. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Um, I have pictures where I'm in diapers running around the zoo <laughs> and in the petting zoo. And this was just last week, folks. I- right? Yeah. <laughs> so so this is a very special facility for me. Um, and What's great is this facility is actually the one that inspired me to want to work with animals and conserve and protect. So back from my earliest years, I've loved animals and I kind of went off on other routes uh, through life. So I was uh, working for a pipeline contracting company, doing accounting, but I knew I wanted to work with animals. So I came back to Arizona to finish going to college and I actually wanted to get into more park. Okay. Yeah, that was my goal. And I came out here to Wildlife World to volunteer so I could, you know, increase my chances of getting accepted and put that on my resume. And while volunteering, I met the owner, Mickey Olson, and he told me, you know, I think you have a special gift. And if working with animals is something you're really interested in, you can start at the bottom and kind of work your way up. So that is what I did. I was volunteering and then I was in the gift shop. And from the gift shop is when I got a position working with animals in the education department. So I just kind of built from there and started um, learning about animal training and then started helping with media. I would help Dr. Grace Stafford. And from that point on, it just kind of moved in the natural progression of now being the director of media relations. That's awesome. So you have a really strong understanding of the animal stuff and you've done training and um, yeah, no, that's really cool. And I think that must bring a really interesting uh, voice to the work that you do. Um, How do you feel that's impacted your work in media relations and such? Well, it's been really beneficial because it's a lot different working with animals and kind of working up to the position I'm in versus coming in from the outside and trying to do what I do. I have a really good relationship with most of the animals that I get to talk about on TV and um, it kind of share with the public. So that's always really helpful. People say all the time that that kind of comes through on the camera. And sometimes, I mean, my favorite bird I've been working with almost 15 years. So you, she's my favorite. She's a hyacinth macaw, Chloe. And um, I think that's great. And I think it also helps further the message because people know 
that you have that true appreciation for animals and you know what you're talking about as far as the animals go and even down to the individual animal. Now, of course, there's always babies and new animals that I don't have that history with, but I think that history also helps me navigate, especially when I'm going into studio and I have an animal ambassador with me, I can better understand the animal's behavior and make sure the animal's comfortable in what we're doing. That's awesome. I love that. Now, you just mentioned Chloe. Yes. And so you have to tell me about Chloe. Tell me all the things. Okay. So Chloe is the most incredible bird on the planet. She's so beautiful. She uh, she doesn't actually preen her tail feathers, so she always has casings, and <laughs> she's kind of a little dirty bird, but um, oh my gosh, she's just to die for, and uh, she doesn't speak that well. She's kind of a diva. She doesn't do anything on command when I'm on camera, but we have so much fun. Oh my gosh. Yeah. She is one of my all-time favorite animals ever. That's amazing. Yeah. One time, she's actually the animal that uh, has nailed me the hardest too. Go figure. When I first started, and it's totally my fault, you know, like all of those course, things yeah, are. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I was so excited. I was here after hours for a charity event for Azak. And um, I had just started working with her and made a total amateur move because it was dark outside. I had never worked with her with uh, the lighting getting dark. You know, they can't see that well. And I did what I would have done on a normal day and ran over and was so excited to see her and went to scoop her up. She didn't know who I was, nailed my thumb, and it was a hard learning lesson. I did not make that mistake twice. That's, yeah, that's hilarious. But yeah, that's, it's always, I think it's so important when you're doing training to, you know, when something happens, examine what you did because it's, it's not their fault. It's, you know, we were given a weird cue or something. One of my favorite stories ever on this podcast was a, a friend who wore a headband and suddenly a bird that she had literally raised did not know her. And then the headband came off and the bird was like, oh, oh, hello. And then the headband went back on and was like, nope, 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 nope. And who would have thought that it'd be a headband of Aww, all things? How funny. Yeah. Yeah. I bet that's uh, that's got to be interesting with masks too and when, you know, all of that was going on. Was- oh, my gosh. It was so interesting. There were so many different things we encountered and I'm sure – Everyone from other zoos can relate. I mean, here what we notice the most, because we have so many birds. So many birds. As you know. It's amazing. Yes. Okay. So Mickey Olson um, actually started as a bird breeder. So he would breed uh, rare and endangered birds for zoos like the San Diego Zoo and other facilities and sometimes private um, bird collectors. And because he has that love for birds, it has just grown since he started Wildlife World and grown it to what it is today. So we have hundreds of parrots now. Most of them, 99% of them, were former pets that were donated to the zoo. And they get interaction all day, every day, because we are open every single day of the year. And, you know, that's such a fun thing for them where, you know, people are coming by and you probably notice that the birds are talking to you. They're playing back and forth with kids and interacting with the public because like I said, most of them were pets. Well, when uh, everything closed down because of COVID, which we were closed, gosh, I think it was five months, five to six months. You can imagine some of the animals were like, what the heck is going on? (laughs) And our birds were one of the ones that we noticed um, impacted the most. So We would have birds that all day, every day, they stayed in their area, and that's what they were comfortable with, and they'd interact with people as they came by. Well, once we were shut down, the birds were like, uh, 
there's no one coming by, you know, <laughs> so they would take it upon themselves to kind of cruise around and they were more interested in the animals than we had ever seen them. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that was really cool. And then, of course, the mass, especially as animal trainers, I know our education department really felt it with some of the animals uh, where they were like, hold on, wait a second. You know, who are you? Uh, I know our primates were mm. very interested. <laughs> oh, I bet. Yeah. yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I actually had a really cool experience here with a silvery cheeked hornbill. Oh, my gosh. I love the hornbills. And okay. we have a couple of species. They're yeah. so yeah. beautiful. So I have never seen a silvery cheeked before. And I was hanging out and doing the zoo thing of, you know, and I kind of walking back and forth looking. There were two in the one exhibit. And um, what I believe from the the markings would have been the male um, was following me back and forth, flying wherever I went, getting right up close to the, the, you know, the front of the exhibit. And I was like talking to him and stuff. And then the female kept trying to come over. And the male would fly in front of her and be like, no, I'm hanging out with this dude right now. And it was so adorable. And even like Aww. other kids came over and he just kept like, I got out of their way and he flew to the corner to be with me. And I was like, okay, maybe I don't do an interview today. Maybe I just hang out with a hornbill today. I'm okay with this. <laughs> that know? is so cool. And I love when you hear those stories about someone, you know, connecting with an animal and you get to connect with animals all the time, yes. which but I am so I never jealous. Get, like, you get to go to all these different facilities and get to do that. So cool. <laughs> But think about someone, you know, Phoenix, the greater Phoenix area is huge that mm -hmm. doesn't get those connections very often or could be their first time coming to a zoo or here on a field trip. Think about how a connection like that's going to impact that child for the rest of their lives. And that's why we try to make everything here at Wildlife World very interactive. I'm sure you noticed you get really close to the animals. Yes. And it, you know, it's our hope that all those kids are walking away with that same feeling of being inspired to want to conserve and protect these beautiful creatures. I do love that. Except, I'm going to tell you one thing. Yes. It's not just kids. Um, <laughs> right? I mean, I feel like at zoos, everyone thinks about it in terms of kids. And I totally respect that. Like, yeah. raising up the next generation of conservationists is hugely important. Yeah. But, like... Me too. No, I get that. I love that you said that. And you're right. I'm really focused on kids. I think I have three little creatures at home. So I'm always like looking at everything through the eyes of like kids when I'm parenting them. Right, right. Yeah, yeah no, definitely important. And I mean, I have a son too, and it's the same thing. I think that way a lot. But then as you were telling your your story, I was actually picturing, so I got to take a friend of mine to a zoo for the first time in years. And um, he's, I'm not allowed to say his age, but, but let's just <laughs> say that his childhood was, was before I was born, you know? Yeah. But he was a child and it was, um, it was really special to see. I actually, when I was like growing up, but old enough to drive and stuff, I lived about an hour and a half out of Baltimore. And if I was into a girl, I would take her on an early date to the uh, National Aquarium because, man, you if you're not going to be like a little kid and be excited when you're three feet above a sea turtle, yeah, I don't care how cute you are. I don't care how compatible we seem. Like, that's just, no. That's like, yeah. that was like the, the test, you know? Oh my God, I love that. Yeah. And I didn't like think about it that way at the time, but looking back, I'm like every girl that I ever was thinking about getting serious with by like the third or fourth date, I was like, so uh, you want to go to Baltimore? <laughs> that is so amazing. And we probably would have hit it off, but like if 
someone outside of our world would have done that to me, they would have been like, what the heck is wrong with this chick? Because I like run through facility. I'm like, oh my God, they have this. Oh my God, do you see that? I feel like I never get tired of looking at animals and going to different facilities no. and seeing what species they have. And yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, um, I frequently, when I plan road trips to do this stuff, like as I'm driving, if I see another zoo on the way that I didn't realize I'd be passing, if I have time, I'm like, but bonus zoo, bonus zoo. I'm literally driving from a zoo to a zoo, but I can stop at a zoo. <laughs> that is so cool. Oh my gosh. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. It happens. Do you have a favorite? I, I do. It's a San Diego zoo. It's so awesome. It has my whole heart right now. Um, I just, it's, it's so special. It's so cool. I also, I mean, recency bias, I did just visit there like 12 times in the last month and a half um, because I was gigging in Southern California and, and yeah, it was amazing. But like Columbus Zoo is amazing, but also like I love small facilities. Elmwood Park Zoo is right by my house and it is so tiny. I, you know, I, I could fit in this office, it feels like. But the people there are incredible. The animals are incredible. Everything's so well taken care of. I love it there. I love it there even though I'll go sometimes three times a week. And the third time that week, I'm still like, I'm here. You know? Aww, that is so cool. Yeah. That is neat. Yeah, animals are awesome. And speaking of which, I connected with one other animal here in okay. particular that I want to want to learn a little bit about. Um, tell me about your Kemp's Ridley sea turtle. Oh my gosh. Okay. So I'm assuming the Kemp's Ridley that you connected with is actually in our River Monster building? That is correct. Yes. Okay. Because I know you have the, we, the, yes, you have two. Okay. Yes. That turtle is so incredible. Um, as you could see, he was having flipper issues. Yes. We actually got him from a rescue down in Florida. And, um, you know, they're critically endangered. And they contacted us to see if he could have a forever home here. And so we were thrilled to be able to provide that for him. And we've had him for years now. And he is oh, he's such a gentle soul. You can go and hand feed him. Oh. And he comes up. And then he spends a lot of time on the bottom. And I don't know if you noticed, um, we actually had a sign next to his exhibit, the little boy who unfortunately passed from cancer. And we put his sign there because um, when his family came out to figure out where they wanted to put a memorial sign for him, because he really loved um, fish and turtles and uh, being surrounded by water. And it was actually his make-a-wish to come out here and he oh, wasn't wow. able to. So we wanted to provide that for the family. And the sea turtle just kept floating with them and they would come this way and he'd come over here and just kept following him. And so it was really sweet. He's a very special ambassador for his species and we just love him. I, I feel like he did the same for me because I, I uh, as I mentioned, um, you know, this will come out months from now probably. But uh, for those of you who follow along on Insta, I posted a little bit about this. But as I'm recording this, going through a little bit of a, a health crisis in the family that's, that's really shaking me a lot. And um, when I got to that exhibit, I was just pacing back and forth and he was just walking or well, swimming with me Aww. and just literally like would not go more than an inch away from me. Um, and I needed that today. Aww. Like I love sea turtles so much. They are the, the, the first animal I fell in love with and the reason that I do all this. And I just, I needed that really badly today. And, um, yeah, like I said, I had almost canceled today because my head is just not in the best space because of that. And not only am I glad I didn't because obviously you got to live your life, show must go on, but because I got to have an amazing experience with a bird and an even more amazing experience with the sea turtle, 
that I, I think helped me far more than sitting at home and dwelling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> have, oh know? my gosh. That's so special. I should have known. I was so drawn to the red panda sticker on <laughs> your you laptop sea that sticker, I missed yes. the sea turtle. Oh, <laughs> well, I'm so thrilled that happened yeah, for you that today. That was really cool. Um, but yeah, so, all right, let's tell people about Wildlife World a little yes. bit. Okay. Because it's different than any facility I've been to. Most places that say they're a zoo and aquarium are kind of lying. It yeah. means that they're a zoo and then they have an aquarium building. And like some really good ones, like Columbus has oh, I two love their, great, yeah. you know, buildings and, and Toledo has a really cute little aquarium in the middle of it. But this is like a multi-building, like half of this place is an aquarium. And it's really awesome to see. Isn't it amazing? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, and what's crazy is even people here in Arizona don't realize sometimes, you know, most people have been out here, but you would be shocked how many people haven't been out here or they're over on the east side and don't make the trek over here. How magnificent our aquarium is. It's giant. It's four huge aquarium buildings. We have over 80 different exhibits. We have our sea lions. Mm -hmm. We actually had the first marine mammal born here in the state of Arizona. Nice, nice. Yeah. And oh my gosh, I just love our aquarium. And we have that really cool stingray touch tank and different opportunities to, again, connect the public with wildlife. So yeah, we have this incredible aquarium. I think it was put in about eh, 14, 15 years ago. And then we have this incredible zoo, too. Uh, We're over 100 developed acres. We are privately owned. So instead, um, we don't get any sort of outside funding like a lot of the publicly owned zoos, which um, is why sometimes our admission people notice is a little bit more expensive. But that provides the majority of the funding for everything that you saw when you came out here. And we have uh, 10 rides, which also, you know, makes us a little bit special. So we have full aquarium, the full zoo, a safari park, adventure land, 10 rides, tons of indoor animal exhibit buildings as you walk around because we are here in Arizona. So you have to self-regulate a little bit. Yeah, it's already gotten hot today, and it's been, like, relatively cool for Arizona here. Yeah. But, yeah, it's quite warm. But the cool thing about Wildlife World is we are really our own little oasis out here. We have those huge shade trees that have taken nearly 40 years to get as big as they are. We also do tons of flood irrigation out here. That's why everything is so green and lush as you're walking through. And... um We have those indoor animal exhibit buildings for the animals that are from more of a temperate climate. A lot of them are indoor-outdoor exhibits, but they're air-conditioned on the public side, and uh, some of them are air-conditioned on the animal side. It really depends where you're at in the zoo, but there's plenty of opportunity to cool off when you need to or warm up, get out of the rain, and stay comfortable. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and let's talk about those rides for a second because we're not talking about just a, a random, you know, roller coaster next to some stuff. They're actually integrated into the exhibits in a really cool way. So share about that a little bit. Yeah. So another thing that was really important to the owner, Mickey Olson, is not just, you know, throwing some rides in the zoo, but like you said, to integrate them. So the roller coaster, you're actually going in with llamas going through a building where you can see squirrel monkeys and our giant Asian water monitor. We have a log ride, which is really fun and takes you through part of the aquarium buildings. And um, the sky ride is one of my favorite because you can see a big portion of the zoo since we're over 100 acres. I mean, that's a lot to walk. Um, Some people tell me that it takes two full days to see everything. And you're walking four to five miles if you see it all. But with the sky ride, it's like a 20-minute ride. And you can see everything almost from like a bird's eye view, which is really fun. And what's great about our rides is we have something 
for everyone. If you have a little infant, you can take a ride on the train or the tram and they can sit on your lap and you're going in with the animals in through their exhibits. So it's really cool. Yeah, it's it's really neat to see that. I was um, I, I I didn't realize right away that the log flume was what went through the aquarium, but I saw the tube. Yeah, and I was trying desperately to find that tunnel, and I was not. I was like, how can I? If I turn left here, it, there's no. How can I want to walk through the tunnel? And it wasn't until I got back outside that I realized it was part of the ride and not like a walk through tunnel. And I was right. like, oh, okay, I'm a mess. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. But yeah. I love how it's all integrated and how, like you said, you just go right in with the animals with uh, with some of the safari rides and stuff. And um, yeah, it's it's really cool. Yeah. And we were actually the first zoo in the world to have the Lori parrot feeding. Not really. Yeah. That's so common everywhere I now. Know. That's crazy I to think know. about. The zoo started back in 84 and the Lori parrot feeding uh, came shortly after that. And our owner, Mickey Olson, he had seen more of like a domestic bird uh, feeding mm-hmm. back then and got the idea to do the lorry parrot. So it's really cool because it's a free feeding. We can provide our guests three times a day and uh, we provide them with apples and you go in and the lorries land all over you and eat the nectar from the apples. And it's really cool. Yeah, that is that is awesome. So let's uh, let's talk about some more of the animals here. What are some of your favorites? Oh my gosh! Okay, so I am like you. We identified this very early on before we started the interview yes. that we both everything is our favorite. We're both obsessed with everything. Our favorites change all the time. Whatever's in front of us, and I'm kind of the same sometimes because I have a couple um, weekly spots on local TV stations, and after I've uh, done a segment about an animal. For the next couple of days, that is my favorite animal. <laughs> but I love warthogs. Nice. I nice. love kinkajous. Yes. Kinkajous are so cool. They're so cool. Um, I actually have an ambassador that I raised from when she was itty bitty, just a couple of weeks old. Oh my God. Tell me about her. Yeah. Her name is Snickle Fritz. <laughs> Say that again. Okay, it's Nickel Fritz, and I named her before Pineapple Express came out. <laughs> I would have not have been able to name an ambassador animal Snickel Fritz, but she's uh, she's 16 years old, and uh, you would never know. She's still so spry and young and adorable. And then, okay, my favorite creatures of all time, and I have never had the privilege of getting to work with them, and we don't have any here, but I'm obsessed with them. Emperor Tamarins. Okay. Yes. They're so cute. They are so cute. I, oh my uh, God. I've had the chance to hang out with some and feed ah. them. And um, yeah, no, they are really amazing. Oh yeah. my God. I could just watch them mm-hmm. all day. And then I'm also obsessed with squirrel monkeys. Okay. Yeah. And we have them here. Yeah, you do. Yeah. yeah. And it is my favorite thing to give them superworms. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I just, I love them more than anything. Um, and I love all the different species of tamarind. We have the golden head lion tamarind. Mm-hmm. Oh God. And the red handed tamarinds. So all the little primates I am literally obsessed with. Um, and I love nocturnal creatures. So when you said San Diego Zoo, have you seen their eye-eye? I have not, but I have seen the Philly Zoo's eye-eye. Oh, so, yeah. Was it the coolest? The coolest, yeah. Oh my God, they're another one of my favorites. And I love misunderstood animals. Mm-hmm. I think that's where my love for warthogs came. And uh, all those animals that people are like, Ugh, really? I'm like, oh my God, I'm obsessed. <laughs> They're my favorite. And let me tell you why. Right, right. No, of course. Um, I have to I have to show you something quick. I have to find it. So I went to I was in Florida. 
uh, earlier this year gigging. And I went to a bunch of cool facilities down there, including the Lemur Conservation Foundation. Yes. And they have all these amazing, you know, lemurs, obviously. And um, this is my stuffed <gasps> eye eye that I got. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> that is amazing. Yes. Yes. And, and its fingers are as weird as you would expect. They're like pipe cleanery and you can move them and like it's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. Oh my gosh. I've never even seen anything like I that. Know. Is that like made just for them? Like do they have someone that like hand makes them? The, I, if I remember the story correctly and I'll go back and listen to my episode. Um, but I believe that they are made um, by Malagasy artists over <gasps> in uh, Madagascar and then brought over and uh, you can get them if you – you should actually look into this because y'all have lemurs here. Yeah. And they have um, education stuff that they will give you or sell you, and I think that's part of it. And oh my god! They have some really good resources. It's honestly amazing. I will connect you with them. Okay, you know, after the fact. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I would love that. I love even like his little forehead, that cute stitching. Like that just looks like such a beautiful piece of it art. It Really is. I also just really love that. I'm like, I can connect you with all of this cool educational stuff, and you're like, I want a stuffed eye. <laughs> <laughs> Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I mean, I'm the same way. I get it. I get it. No, that's really cool. I would love the connection. No, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I love doing it. I that. don't know if you checked out our gift shops. They're awesome. Yeah, and no, they're really good. Yeah. We have creatures from all over the world in there, lots of education material. So that would be great for our guests. And yeah, yeah if I can get my hands on a stuffed <laughs> eye-eye that is that cute, I am all about it. Right? <laughs> um, so let's talk about, there is another species that you have here that I have never seen before. Okay. And I hear that all the time. So even for avid zoo goers, mm -hmm. uh, people who work at zoo facilities, when they come out here, we have so many animals that people are like, oh my gosh, I've never seen one in real life. Or, um, wow, I've only like read about them. We have lots of species like that. Yeah. Yeah, you do. Mm -hmm. It's really exciting. Over 600 different species here and over 6,000 animals. I like that your voice literally went back to PR person. We're, I know. Sorry. We're talking sorry. about stuffed animals and you're like, oh, this is great. And then you're like, over 600 species. I like that. <laughs> Let me compose myself <laughs> um, and get back but, on track. So tell me about your black-backed jackal. I didn't even know they existed. Ah, okay. Love. Okay. Oh, God, they're so cute. So black-backed jackals are Africa's version of the coyote. And that's how I like to explain them here in Arizona, because here in Arizona, everyone knows what coyotes mm -hmm. are. And uh, black-backed jackals are very similar to the coyote. And you can see how they get the name. They have that saddle down their back of black. And, uh, okay, the greatest black-backed jackal fact is they're monogamous. Oh, that's cute. Isn't that cute? I know. Um, and they're amazing. They are pretty elusive. They can live in big groups. And they're adorable. They look like little miniature coyotes with uh, the black fur. And they, they, they um, scamper. Like just as walking, it's a scamper. It's like a cute little, yeah. I, okay, scamper, like a cute little scamper trot. Yeah, I <laughs> yeah. really, yeah. Seeing seeing that was really cool. And ours are very active. Nice, yeah. I yeah. only saw one. I only saw the one, you know, was up and doing the thing, and I was just obsessed. Okay, so, so I, said the, I said the word. I'm upset, obsessed. obsessed. Yeah. <laughs> okay, there's actually a Gwen Stefani song called "Obsessed." Oh. Yeah. Okay. And people have told me, uh, that's your song because oh I'm always gosh. like, I'm obsessed with everything. <laughs> so you can go look it up when we're done. Um, yeah, we actually have black jackal pups. What? Yeah. 
Oh my news god. News alert, I know this is gonna air like down the road. Um, but you hear it first. You get to hear it first. <laughs> I guess your amazing. listeners, it'll be after the fact, but yes. Yo, that's amazing. I know. I know. Oh my gosh. So cute. Do they do, you, do have you seen them? Do they start with the, the black back or does that grow in or it grows oh, in. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That probably they, is even cuter then. Oh yeah. They're yeah. like little tan. They look like like little pound puppies or something. <laughs> they're the cutest. Oh my gosh. I know. That's amazing. <sighs> yes. It's time for Interrupting. 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 Interrupting John. So, not surprisingly, Christy was not lying when she said that they had black-backed jackal pups. But uh, what was extra cool about this for me was that um, I was able to get back to the zoo one last time right before leaving Phoenix. Christy uh, comped me in, and uh, I got to see the pups. She's not lying, y'all. They're real, real cute. And uh, you should probably, oh, I don't know, check my Instagram stories today. Just a thought. Back to the interview. Um. So, so in your uh in your time, you do a lot of this TV stuff. You said. So, tell me about that. What is that like? And where do you go? And what different animals have you taken? You know, yeah. you have to have stories. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Okay. So I do have stories. <laughs> <laughs> Some that you can say on the podcast, <laughs> right? <laughs> Some I'll take with me to my grave. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Oh, yeah. So, okay. Before COVID. I had a weekly segment on every local station here in Phoenix. So I was <laughs> working amazing. seven days a week. Yeah. And then some of the stations I was doing twice a week, I do their uh, weekday show and then their morning show. And then when COVID hit, so much of that stopped. Um, and I don't know if it's this way throughout the country, but here in Arizona, a lot of our anchors were actually reporting the news from their homes and doing it over Zoom. And the stations and the studios were closed down or just for key people and they no longer had guests. And then a lot of um, their employees, you know, their employees shrunk down in size just like ours did. And I'm sure a lot of facilities. No. So they didn't have a lot of the manpower to be sending uh, reporters and camera people all over. So a lot of the media stopped, but um, it's starting to pick back up again. And some stations all go into studio. Some stations are still not allowing um, outside guests. And uh, a lot of times now I will do segments over Zoom. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I'll have my assistant, she'll hold my phone and, uh, and I love it because I'm able to do a bigger variety of animals and I just go through the zoo and different weeks I pick different things and do a segment. What, what am I in the mood to play with this week? Right. Right. <laughs> I think that is my favorite thing about my job is that I get to work with so many animals. And when I was in education, it was just, you know, the animal ambassadors. And now I'm like, Oh, I get to go see this animal today or this animal. Um, so I'm doing a lot over Zoom. And then um, some of our other stations, sometimes they'll send a reporter out and uh, we'll do a, a segment. And sometimes I'll do talkbacks now where they just send a camera guy out. And like if you're watching uh, the morning news and you see the reporters talking back to the anchors in studios, I'll have an earpiece and I'll have an animal and uh, the cameraman in front of me. And I'll be talking to the anchors in studio and educating the public about our animals. How did that become a thing like that's so cool and I, I wish more I know you know every once in a while you'll see an animal person on the tonight show or something but like as far as or even regular news you know once a month or but how how did that become such a thing how did you guys build that up so much that's so cool it is the best so it's 
decades in the works. We've always had a wonderful relationship with the media. Um, Dr. Gray Stafford was here and he did the same thing. And then um, when he moved on and I always used to help him, I uh, took over the role and just lots of years of uh, building that relationship with not only the media, then the public and being able to educate the public on all the amazing animals we have and different conservation efforts. And it's just kind of snowballed. We're really fortunate here in Arizona that we have the support of the community, which is a very large community. And I believe we're like number 11 for our market size and the amount of people we have in the Phoenix greater area. And, you know, the media is always appreciated. If something happens, we answer to them. We let them know what's going on. They can relay that information to the community. And it's, you know, been a work in progress, but we've always been able to maintain that relationship with the media and the public. That's really awesome. Yeah. Very cool. Um, but yeah, but I, I still need though. I need, I need stories. Tell me about okay. times that you have oh, visited, gosh. you know, and, and something happened. So I always wear a black shirt on TV and a lot of the different news stations are like the different fun shows. Like I call them the mom shows because the moms get to stay home and get to watch them like the cooking and the cool different segments. Um, they tell you not to wear black, but I have found two things. Black makes you look skinnier. So I like wearing black <laughs> and it hides when an animal goes to the bathroom on you. Fair. Yeah. 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 So like if an animal releases itself on me right before I'm getting ready to go live, no one would ever know. Um, and then the people in the newsrooms always make fun of me because I have certain animals where I'm like, oh, that animal just urinated on me. It's fine. <laughs> when you when it dries, you won't even be able to smell it. And then, like, <laughs> or uh, some animals. I'm like, oh, okay. I'm going to change into my spare shirt. That's so funny. Yeah. yeah. I like that. You're like, yeah, on one hand, I look, uh, you know, I'm covered in poop, but I look skinny. So <laughs> I guess it's cool. Whatever. So bad. But it's true. I mean, what can I say? No, 100%. Yeah. I mean, I'm wearing a black t-shirt right now for that very reason. Right? I've been eating my feelings lately. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And here in Arizona, it gets really hot, you know, 115, mm -hmm. 120. And I'm always wearing the black shirt. And everyone's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I know, but it makes me look skinnier. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, weirdest animal you've ever taken to a studio. Oh gosh. Okay. Let me think. I've traveled in studio with a seahorse. Okay. Which you know, is kind of interesting yeah, because yeah. people are like, how would you do that? But I had lots of life support and pumps and um, had to keep the water at a consistent temperature. So that required uh, getting all the right equipment. Uh, sometimes I travel with animals where I have to bring a team with me. Um, for instance, like a penguin or something like that. We have whole penguin teams and otter teams. And a lot of times I like to have them come with so we can just do everything to make sure the animal's comfortable throughout the whole process. Um, weirdest. I'm kind of drawing a blank. I've, I mean, I take everything into studio. A lot of times, um, our younger animals, if we're having a hand raise, I am able to bring them. So I'm able to bring in different types of gazelle, nice, which is nice. cool. Um, I have brought in a baby taper. Oh my gosh. I love tapers. Right? Little baby so watermelons. watermelons. <laughs> 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 They're so cute. Um, Yeah. Nice. Very cool. Um, and I noticed, and I, I didn't actually get to go there. I saw it as I was walking over here, but y'all have like a nursery area where we you can do. see babies. Oh my gosh. Tell me about it and tell me what's over there right now. Okay. So unfortunately I think our nursery is empty right now because okay. we don't, um, hand raise everything. We right, only course, hand yeah. raise stuff when we deem it in the animal's best interest. And we figure that out a bunch of different ways. So sometimes it's, 
the same across like species lines where we're like, okay, the species does better um, being hand raised. And then sometimes we have to intervene, you know, if the mother's not being a great mother um, for whatever reason, because of age or maybe a first time baby. But a lot of times our babies are just out on exhibit and you see them and people come on. They're like, why is your nursery empty? Like right now. Um, and it's because all our moms right now are being really good moms. So yeah. that's something to be celebrated. Yes, that is a positive. That but it's positive. cool to have the facility to when we do need to intervene, we do need to hand raise um, where we can do it and we can do it in front of the public eye. You know, where the public's able to see all the care that's going into these animals. Um, we have a full time around the clock hand raising team. And oftentimes, you know, babies need to be fed all night long and through the morning and they're able to come in. We're able to control the environment and uh, better ensure the baby's survival. Yeah, that's amazing. Very cool. Very cool. Um, Tell me something, just one of your favorite facts about this place. Oh, my gosh. Okay. There's so many wonderful things about Wildlife World. So, it was started by Mickey Olson. He was actually a school teacher before he opened Wildlife World. And he retired from teaching and opened this facility in 84. And it started very small. It was, I think, about like 15, 20 acres. And he's just slowly grown it to what it is today. And it's taken nearly 40 years for it to get this large because he did everything in moderation and very slow. He didn't want to outgrow, you know? Right, right. And um, he didn't start a new project until he paid off his previous project and saved up at least half of the funding for the new project. And then he would borrow the other half. And that's kind of how he grew the wildlife world to what it is today. And because of that, we were able to survive uh, the pandemic and being closed for five months, which was really hard. And I know a lot of zoos were struggling. Um, it put a huge um, crater in our budget because we had to close down March, which we do about 13 times more business in March than any other month. So I think that's really cool that we were able to survive and keep growing and expanding. And our visitors, every time they come, they notice that we're constantly redoing and renovating animal exhibits and adding something new. I don't know if you noticed all the construction going on. Yes. And that's because um, where we're at now is the original part of the zoo. And what we're doing now is we're going in and we're renovating a lot of the original parts because over you know 30 years, things get outdated and industry standards change. So we are constantly bettering the facility, bettering the enclosures for the animals and the programs that we offer. So I think that's great when you have an institution that's constantly evolving and getting better and better, um, especially in an industry like this, you know, where things are changing constantly. So that's really great. And then um, another one of my favorite things about wildlife world is um, what we do for conservation, you know, which is going to be my next question. So nice yeah. segue. All right. You're good at this. <laughs> Uh, I, that, I mean, obviously is everyone's passion. Who's in this line of work. You do it because you love animals and you love those animals, wild counterparts. And it's great to be able to work for a facility 
that is out there doing what we can for all the animals out in the wild. Because as we both know, the wild is not really wild anymore. No, You know, and zoos get criticized so often. But what people don't realize is so many of these animals wouldn't even exist if it wasn't for zoos and the work that zoos are doing. Um, So we have a really amazing giraffe collection here. And giraffe were actually one of the owner's favorite animals. So unfortunately, Mickey Olson did pass back in January. And um, we're all here uh, furthering his legacy and uh, what he loved and making sure that, you know, we'd all making him proud. And one of the organizations that we work with is Save Giraffes Now. Okay, nice. nice. Yes. Yeah. If you have not interviewed them. I have not had a chance to yet, no. Okay, so I'm going to put you in contact with them because yeah, the work help. they are doing is unbelievable. And uh, we're actually supporting a lot of their work. We love the, that organization because they use 100% of their donations for boots on the ground conservation. Nice. And giraffes are one of those animals that are silently slipping into extinction. You know, as conservationists, we're just realizing oh my gosh, something needs to be done and something needs to be done really quickly. Because I know when I think of African conservation and I think most of the general public, you think of elephants, you know, and elephants need help mm-hmm. and they are amazing. But there are four times as many elephants in Africa right now as giraffe. So to be able to support amazing conservation efforts like that right now um, is really important to all of us here at Wildlife World. And as my role, I like to get people outside of the zoo excited about conservation and involved in supporting conservation, um, just to make a bigger impact for all those animals out there. So we're actually working with, it sounds random, but I mean, uh, the more people you can get excited and contributing to conservation, I feel like is a win for Mm -hmm. the world. Um, Peter Piper pizza. They are, yeah, we're um, in development, trying to think of ways where we can get uh, children and everyone you <laughs> <laughs> excited about conservation and um, trying to figure out how we're going to do that. We're bouncing all kinds of ideas around. I'm actually going to go there next week and we're like, do we do an animal print pizza, like a pepperoni pizza and a portion of the proceeds go to different conservation projects? Um, and they want to support Save Drafts now. And then Hickman's Eggs, they're a nationally known egg company and they just sent me the design that they came up with. I am going to show you this. It's going to blow your mind because if I ever saw these eggs on the shelf, I'd be like, oh my God, giraffe print egg carton. Look at that. Oh my gosh. That's so cool. Isn't that so cool? Yes. And um, they're a local company. So um, I'm teaming up with them to help promote it. We're teaming up as a zoo. We put a coupon in there. You already have coupons in there. And I know that because all the eggs I have been buying here have been, I guess, Hickman's, whatever brand it is. Oh, my Because gosh. I saw that they're supporting a zoo. And so as I have gone to get my eggs, I eat eggs every morning for breakfast. So do I. And as I have bought them, I saw that one company was supporting a zoo. And I was like, cool. And that's actually how I found out about y'all. Um, Stop. True story. Stop. Because as soon oh as God, I got out here, I was like, I need to look up, you know, facilities to try and reach out to for the pod. And I was like, but first I need to get some dang food. And um, I was grocery shopping before I did that next step. And I saw that and I was like, oh, I should check out that zoo. And now I'm sitting here because of an egg company. Oh my God, I am dying. And I'm going <laughs> to tell them that story and they're going to die. So the Hickmans uh, were actually really good friends of Mickey Olson. Nice. We, um, all the eggs we feed out to our animals here in the zoo, human grade Hickman's eggs. And um, 
it's a relationship that's gone really far back. So after Mickey Olson passed, they were inspired to want to do something for conservation, for wildlife in memory of Mickey. And that's how we developed this. And so now when you get a carton of Hickman's eggs, and let me just tell you how great it is that you supported them. I'll get to that in a second. But okay, not only are you getting a buy one, get one free to Wildlife World, says right here on this carton, which is going to be available soon. This carton saves giraffes. I love that yes, so much. And they're going to donate a portion of the proceeds to save giraffes now and then a QR code so other people can donate to save giraffes now. And their logo is on it. And you may have noticed that the carton was plastic. Mm-hmm. And um, some of them, you know, they're the styrofoam yeah, or yeah, whatever. Yeah. They're using used water bottles to make all of their cartons. Nice. Isn't that cool? That's so cool. Yeah. yeah. And so you're getting companies outside of just the zoo industry that are excited about conservation, wanting to help, uh, bettering the environment. How cool is that? It's that is amazing. like win, 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 win. <laughs> and so, yeah, here in Arizona, I'm just trying to get everyone excited about conservation and involved and develop these different partnerships because as a facility, there's a lot we can do. Um, once we start combining and getting other facilities and companies and different organizations involved, it's really exciting to think because it's really limitless. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. I love getting people involved in conservation that you wouldn't think of. Um, yeah. By the time this episode comes out, this will have already happened. But um, the stage manager uh, at the show that I'm doing right now yeah. uh, makes tie-dye. And she makes it in a way that you have never seen before. It is freaking amazing. Oh, how cool. And so we talked. We collaborated. And you know that uh, red panda that I showed you, Bandit from Columbus? Yes. Um, We're making a tie-dye picture uh, based on a picture of Bandit that I have um, that we're putting on shirts and then uh, are going to sell to raise money for Red Panda Network. I am Um, dying. Yeah. So I just – this stage manager and tie-dye artist is now helping me with conservation through that. And it's the coolest thing ever. That is the coolest. So I have to support and get one of those shirts. Of course. So please let me know when they come out. Uh, That is such a cool idea. And so awesome. You know, and this isn't just something like you can do or I can do or facilities can do. Anyone listening, anyone can do something to somehow support conservation and animals. And I hope people, you know, get inspired to want to do projects like that because every little bit helps. Yep. And, you know, you never know what something that you do can grow into. Um, when I started this podcast, I literally just assumed this podcast existed and it doesn't. Um, and so I was like, well, I'll make one. And um, I had no clue. You know, we've raised thousands of dollars for charities. Oh my People gosh. have started volunteering and working at zoos because they heard about them on the podcast. Um, people have signed their kids up for zoo camp because of listening to my podcast. Um, none of that did I expect. I don't know what I expect. I just wanted to talk to cool zookeepers and stuff. Like, Play with red pandas. Know, yeah, yeah, I mean, this was that the goal. alone, like, you know. <laughs> yeah. And it's turned into like this thing where and I have these connections with cool, you know, conservation organizations now. And I, I, I'm a volunteer for Red Panda Network now through it and everything. Like I actually write for them and work with them and stuff. And um, it's been such a life-changing thing. And it literally just started off because I wanted to talk to – people about animals. And then um, COVID hit and I was like, well, now I have the time to figure out how to make a podcast. And I didn't expect any of this. I didn't plan any of this. Um, My end of year goal that I first came up with was met in four weeks of the podcast. And then from that point on, it's just been insane and wonderful. And I'm still, sometimes I still just, something happens and I'm like, how, why, 
why am I hanging out with a sea turtle right now? What is happening in my life? Okay, cool. You know? Yeah. And so, yeah, for anyone listening, um, you know, like Christy said, just if you do something, even if it seems small at the time, even if it seems like it might not, you, you have no clue what impact you're going to have and how big it could get. Or even if it's small, the, the one person that it impacts could have a huge difference. You never know. Oh yeah. my gosh, I love that. Absolutely. And I'm so glad you and I met. Oh my gosh. Because I, like yeah, with no, your we, platform yeah, yeah. and then like here locally, I have a really good platform um, with all the different media stations and stuff. So like I love using that to help animals and to further conservation methods and stuff. So I have a feeling this is going to be the start of something beautiful. Yeah, no. Yeah, me too. I, I'm very much like, okay, cool. We're buds. This is good. Yeah. This is good. Yeah. Um, speaking of which, though, we are kind of at the end of our time here. Yes. And so I do need... It's time now, don't you know? We've come to the end of the show. But there's one tale left to go. You're gonna laugh and say, oh no. It's time for the Rossifari poop story. Okay. Um, God, I like kind of already gave it away. I think I... So basically, um, everything I have is black. I have black gloves, black shirts, because like half the time I'm getting pooped on <laughs> before I go on live TV. I... It happens all the time. So uh, I always just rub it in and people like <laughs> <laughs> make fun of me like at the station. I'm like, oh, my God. And like, we'll be getting ready to go live. And I'm like, shoot, what do I do? Like if there's Stan, like rubbing, rubbing the shirt together real quick so you don't see it. And then no one, as far as viewers go, have any idea. But like the anchor reporter interviewing me is like disgusted, <laughs> <laughs> like giving me like a disgusted look and kind of like what we do where we're like laughing, laughing, haha. And then we get our voice on and we're like yes, yes. serious. And we have like our media voice. Uh, they do the same thing where they're like, oh my God, that is the grossest thing I've ever seen. And then they look at the camera and smile and pretend like that didn't just happen. So yeah, that's, that's probably my... You are a disgusting human and that is disgusting. And all right, welcome back. We're here with Christy. She doesn't know her last name, but she's going to teach you about a kinkajou. Hi, Christy. Right? Or it'll be on my hand and I'm like, oh shoot. Like I know my hand's going to be on camera, so I'm wiping it on my back behind <laughs> where I know no one's going to see real quick. Amazing. So, okay, so yeah. I have, you know, I've done some local te television stuff with the drumming thing, but yeah. I also was on SNL once, just like in a digital Stop. short, like a random thing that happened. So I don't know if they're like this when they do, like when you do this stuff, yeah. but is it also the thing where like your hair is perfect? They've like done touch up makeup and like everything is pristine and then poop happens. Is that like, do you have that same experience? Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. It always happens right before that yeah. we're going to go live. Where I'm amazing. like, okay, if I even had like a 30 second heads up, I could have like grabbed a paper towel right, right. or done something to cover up the mess. And that's why I always have to wind up like wiping it where the camera's not going to see or rubbing it in real quick. Um, yeah. Amazing. So. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Yes. Oh my gosh. This was so much fun. I was wondering, I'm like, gosh, I hope I'm going to have enough to talk about and I'm not going to just be dead silent for an hour. So I'm excited. You're amazing at what you do. And this was a lot of fun. Thank you so much. So much fun and such a great start to the new season. Uh, you know, so glad that I had Christy on and I really can't wait to uh, continue to develop our relationship and hopefully work on stuff. Uh, I'm supposed to be back in Phoenix in January, and I'm hoping that we can connect and, and do some cool conservation-y things. Uh, anyway, if you would like to follow Christy, you can on Instagram at Christy underscore 
Morcom. That's uh, K-R-I-S-T-Y-M-O-R-C-O-M. And that'll be in show notes. Uh, and of course, you can also follow uh, Wildlife World Zoo on Instagram and Facebook or go to wildlifeworld.com to check out their website. I'd like to say thanks to Lara Shank, my Red Panda level patron, and remind y'all that you can support the podcast for as little as $3 a month by going to patreon.com slash rasafari and make sure that you keep your eyes on the feed as i'm going to try to get a bonus episode out to you soon that i mentioned in my season three preview i'm really excited about it so uh sit tight and it'll be there soon and uh remember until that comes out friends the word credits backwards is for three seasons now Steiderk. The Rossafari Podcast is produced, hosted, and engineered by John Rossi. Editing and fact-checking by John and Dr. Zoe Vesley Gross. Our theme song is Sevens by Nathan Burke, performed by Nathan and John. Interrupting John theme and additional voices by Taylor Isaac Gray. You can reach John directly on Instagram and Facebook at Rossafari or by email at rossafaripod at gmail.com. Rossafari is part of the Daydreamer Media Network. Now, stop listening to me and go visit a zoo.